All throughout the week, we have been here at Awakening Prayer. This whole week, our, uh, the church was open for prayer. And just God's just spoken amazing, amazing things in our hearts. And we are ready to impart that on you uh, and pray that over you for this year. Amen. I want us to get straight into the Word this morning. So why don't you open with me to Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I'll be reading for you. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. When Scripture starts with the way it does in Romans 12:1, And so, dear brothers and sisters, when it says that, we know that the writer Paul, in this case, he would have had to have built up a solid foundation, a baseline. There had to be, there have been something strong and powerful that was put forward. After all, he is a, the preacher of the gospel. He has got to have released something. He's built up a strong case and now after presenting what it was, after presenting all that came before this passage that we just read, he's saying, this is what I want you to do. After hearing me out about what I have been talking to you, there's got to be an action taken. We need to act and this is what needs to be done. We are to give our bodies, ourselves, all of it as a sacrifice. He pleads to all the Roman believers. And as we read in Romans 2.1, what was for them at that time applies for you and I today. We will look into that in a bit. But before we get there, we need to understand what was said before he got to this point? Everything that was written before Paul came to this, this plea that he makes, a plea to act. He has been saying that there is a need. There is a need for righteousness. That God, who is holy, just, and this God... How does he justify unrighteous man without violating his nature, his holiness, his justice? We find out in a heart-piercing manner as Paul analyzes and lays it out for us that everyone, everyone is under God's judgment. That because he is just, his judgment falls on all. So as Paul, as we find, what I'm doing here is I'm trying to, 
to show you, before we get to chapter 12, that I, the, the verse that I read to you, I'm trying to get to what Paul is trying to speak to the Roman congregation. From chapter 1 to chapter 11. And, and, and in this amazing letter, in this amazing book, we read, read through this, that Paul is trying to tell us in the simplest of form, which I'm going to explain to you in the simplest of explanation, that there are some things that are needed. So I see it continues from the, the first chapters. There's a clear theme which is presented to us that there is a need for righteousness and that we are called to live a right uh, lifestyle in a right relationship with Father God. We are called to live a life in the way that God wants us to and not in the way that, that we see fit without His Lordship over us. If there is a need for righteousness, then there is a problem. And the problem is sin. Sin is a problem in our lives and, and God and sin, they do not go together. We quote and we all know this scripture very well. For all have sinned and fall short of the righteous requirements of God. Romans 3.20 This scripture magnifies our need for God. Our need for God and how desperately we need His perfection, His righteousness on us. So somehow this need has to be met. I saw this, this video once about a, uh, it was about a street preacher who, was, who always goes out to the colleges in America. And he sets up his soapbox and he, he allows the students in those, in those universities or colleges to, to ask him questions about his Christian faith. So this girl, she boldly steps up in an attempt to trap this preacher, as most of them do in these scenarios. I believe her case was that there is no one perfect. No one can be ever perfect so therefore there is no need for God we are all doing fine we are all right where we are in the way that we live and God is not needed anyway uh, after a bit of chat a bit of uh, to and fro you know this girl she asks this question okay so what is the requirement to get to heaven the preacher said perfection the girl again asked, are there anyone in heaven now? The preacher said, yep. So are they perfect people? The preacher goes, nope. As Christians, we know where this leads to. It leads to the gospel message. We know that we inherit Christ's perfection. We are not perfect, but He is for all have sinned and fall short of God's righteous requirement. I thank God. I thank God that this does not stop here. That this scripture does not stop at this. Moving further on as we, as we go through the book of Romans. This then brings us to the next theme that Paul talks about throughout the, the earlier chapters. 
which as we continue, when we, when we go through the book of Romans, we find that righteousness was provided. That God in His mercy and His love through grace provided. That He Himself provided for this requirement. And we all know this well, that, that, he, that, that we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus. It goes on to say in Romans 3, 24 to 25, it says, Yet God, in His grace, freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed His life shedding His blood. And again, more verses that we know so well that are evidence of God's righteous requirements met. That there was a need for righteousness. And that righteousness was provided. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrated His love for us in this way, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 10, 9. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, then you will be saved. Then after all this, we come to the next theme of the book of Romans that relates to where we started off this morning where Paul is now pleading with the people in Romans 12 the theme here which is righteousness practiced first there was a need then that need was provided then we step in and practice what we have received amen which brings us to this significance, the significance of this day that we celebrate. Every year we mark out early in the year, in January, Consecration Sunday. On this day we end up praying for you all. People are anointed with oil, prayed a blessing for the year by the leaders and the prayers of our church. We take communion in small groups. Well, what does this all mean? Is this some religious activity that takes place every year without much thought or significance? Is this something that we do just because we can? Is it something just so that the church calendar looks full? <coughs> that we can show that we have been doing things, doing things just for the sake of it? I don't think so. I don't think so. No, we do this. We can, we, can, we, can, we can come and we can be intentional in coming reverently before a holy God saying, knowing what you have done for us, God. Knowing who you are and, and where we stand before you. Knowing, God, that you are so gracious that you came after us, even though sin separated us, you came. 
You came to give us life. You came to give us life in abundance. You came to give us life to the max. Because of you. You came. To consecrate means to give oneself fully and wholly to God. To consecrate means to surrender. A surrender which has no conditions attached to it. To consecrate means to be yielded fully, completely, submitted, set aside. In light of Romans 12, 1, where Paul pleads, Give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. You see this plea, this call to act, leads us to a place of consecration. You see, the biblical pattern is to relate doctrine and duty. What does it mean? What we believe must determine how we behave. Our bodies in this scripture refers to the whole person in contact with the world, not just the physical body. And because of all that he has done, everything that we talked about briefly through, through the previous chapters as, as, I, as I sweep through the Romans from verses 1 to 12 now, we are to bring ourselves, we are to separate, set ourselves apart and let it be a living sacrifice. Are we willing to offer our bodies as living sacrifices? The complete abandonment of our bodies in the service of Jesus Christ, which represents the very core of this Christian life. Romans 6.13 says this, Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to Him as instruments of righteousness. The question we need to ask ourselves, the question we need to ask ourselves here is, are we offering our bodies to Him as our instruments of righteousness? Are we getting on our face before our God and asking Him what He has planned for us today? Musos, please come join me. Are we willing to do whatever God asks? Are we willing to simply obey? I also want us to be clear as, as I talk to you this morning, as we look at consecration. I want us to be clear of another thing this morning, that by stepping out, by taking the call to act, by consecrating ourselves, this does not change the plan that God already has for you and I. 
it does not change what God has planned for you. God says in Malachi 3, 6, He says, I am God and I do not change. What happens? What are we doing? What we are doing is we are aligning ourselves to His plan. My friends, we allow God to speak into our lives. We align ourselves to what God has already placed in our pathway. Life to the max. Life in abundance. Why? Because Jesus came. And so when we consecrate, when we submit ourselves, we are aligning ourselves to the plan that He has for us so that we can see better, that we can hear His voice better, that we can, we can know things for ourselves, that what He has, the great plans and the wonderful plans for us clearly. And most importantly, that we now can obediently begin to walk on those. Romans chapter 12 Verse 2 says this, Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let Him do that for you today. Allow Him to do that for you today. When you step out this morning let it be a stepping out in faith let it be a stepping out a symbol of your genuine faith in Jesus Christ your dedication to him let this stepping out as you go out in, in prayer lines to be prayed for let it be a step of faith of a consecrated heart, mind, and soul. A giving of your body, allowing the Holy Spirit of God to transform you from inside out. When you give yourself to God in, 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 in a spiritual worship like so. God does amazing things. Let this not just be a stepping out of an everyday Sunday event. As Paul urges and pleads with the people in Rome. I urge you, I plea with you, brothers and sisters, to step out in faith. Let the Spirit of God transform you as you do that. Let the Holy Spirit work in your lives as you step out this morning, as you consecrate, as you purify your mind, your heart, your soul to God as you submit, as you yield yourself and surrender to God, 
I know that I know that God is going to do something amazing in your life this morning. So this is what I want you to do. As you're sitting there, I want you to speak to God. Let it not be that you just step out. Let it be you speak to, speak to God. Ask Him. Talk to Him. Submit to Him. Yield to Him this day. And step out into the prayer lines. I would like my leaders to come on the prayer station as you prepare to pray for people. After you get prayed, as you get anointed with oil, I want you to understand that the oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who blesses, who comes alongside you, who leads and empowers you. It's a symbol of the Holy Spirit. The oil is not special. It's like with any spiritual tools. The power comes from God. It is He who blesses. These are just tools, a symbol. Just as we're going to take the cup as well, after you get prayed on, I want you to take hold of the, the communion emblems. And I want you to pray in groups after you've been prayed for. Come out if you want to go back to your seats and pray there or pray in groups around the auditorium. Make sure that there is no one praying by themselves. You may have come alone, but you are in a community of loving people. So I don't want you to be alone praying. I want you to pray together as you take hold of that cup, the bread, which is a symbol of our Christ sacrifice for us. The bread that, was, that represents the body of Christ that was broken for you and I. The blood that was shed so that we could be forgiven of our sins. I want you to take hold of it. Remember the good things. Remember Jesus. What He has done. I am so, so sure that God is going to speak to you all. That God is going to bless you. They are the mouthpieces of God who will be speaking blessing over you for this year. And I know that I know that this is a year of abundance. This is a year of, the God, of God's favor over you and your family.